Welcome to the Nerd Normie Podcast. I'm a big film nerd, Everett. And I'm Emerald, and I'm engaged to a nerd. On this week's episode, we will be covering two movies. Five Nights at Freddy's, directed by Emma Tammy. And Anatomy of a Fall, directed by Justine Triette. Uh, for both of these movies, we will be doing non-spoilers and then spoilers. Uh, we'll have time codes down in the description below. And uh, let's get into it. Hi, this is Mike. I was just calling to see if that job that you offered was still available. Yes. The security guard. I will take anything. All right, this week I chose Five Nights at Freddy's um, as my movie that's directed by Emma Tammy, and it stars our boy, my man, the main man, Josh Hutcherson, as well as uh, Matthew Lillard makes an appearance. And let me see. Let me look. Oh, Elizabeth Lale is the other main character in it. Um, yeah, and it follows Mike, who is a troubled young man raising his younger sister, and he's really struggling to stay in one job, um, and so he starts working at Freddy Fazbear's, which is a abandoned pizzeria that closed in the 80s as a night Chuck guard. Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then chaos ensues, I suppose, yeah. in our non-spoiler section it's for this. Based on the, uh, very popular, popular video game series, um, there's many in the series now. There are whole people whose livelihoods are dedicated to explaining the lore and live streaming the game and all of this stuff. It's very um, cult classic favorite. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people really love this game. I mean... There was a person fully kitted out in costume stuff, multiple people at our our screening, and they had all the toys with them, and they any time a character appeared, they screamed, and any time they put a few cameos to some YouTubers, YouTubers who yeah. are known for being involved with this property, uh, they freaked out for those. Uh, uh, the a bite happens and a guy screams that a bunch like one of the people in our theater screamed that a bunch because he was so excited to see it yeah. in the movie we also had the worst movie going <laughs> experience of all time with this because it was literally a theater full of teenagers and they were all full volume talking yelling the entire movie not one second of silence which was not great yeah and it's one thing if like again when the bite happens you get excited and you cheer because it's the thing you love up on the big screen i get that it's fun and when something jumps out you shout when a good thing happens you cheer you clap yeah. you laugh you you know all that stuff totally okay with but when i have to just sit there and two characters are talking and you just hear it wasn't even that though it wasn't they were whispering they talked full volume the whole time and it was like if something intense was coming up they'd just go oh jump scare oh i bet there's a jump scare coming oh it, it was just awful so like take our opinion on this with like a little bit of a grain of salt we're not super into the fandom we aren't super into the game and our movie going experience was not the best we were both very <laughs> frustrated the whole time so yeah. this might deserve a better score than what we give it but mm. given our well he didn't like it but given our experience it might end up with a lower score yeah um, but again i will say the fans who were there seem to really love it i have a friend michael who loves the games and follows the youtube culture of it and stuff to some extent he said it was amazing and like really adhered to the source material in a way that he appreciated. 
Yeah, from so, what I get, it's very close to wh- what the lore is supposed to be, which is good for people who really love it. Um, the story was very basic teen horror, so if that's what you're looking for, it doesn't. It has like two swear words in it, and they're not really bad ones. So it's definitely and the gore is pretty minimal. The yeah, jump scares it, aren't. It always cuts away before something really bad happens. So it's definitely a movie that you could send like teens or like preteens too and they'll probably really like it it's a great intro to horror movie um the story itself was fine and it left a few things unanswered um and unfortunately the big reveal is revealed in the trailer so it's kind of just unfortunate you know just because like you know what's gonna happen um, yeah. So if you haven't seen it and you haven't seen the trailer, I would go in blind if you can. Yeah. Unfortunately, I feel like most people who are excited for this, you've either seen the trailer or you're not going to see it regardless of what you see in the trailer. So again, why spoil yeah. stuff like this? I don't know. Um, one thing definitely in this movie's credit, I think, is the production design. I thought it looked... It looked incredible. Really cool. Like the... I don't even know what to call them. Figurines, animatronics. Yeah, they looked great. Yeah, they do a very good job of blending practical costume pieces with CGI elements when needed. Um, And again, like all the CGI contained in this one location where it's kind of dark. And um, it just, yeah, they do a great job making this look how it would in real life um and that one location is 90 percent of the movie is at freddy fazbear's so they just built out a huge set area or built a couple rooms or whatever they needed um and were really able to put the time and effort into making those look good yeah the arcade looks fabulous like yeah. even like the bench booth seats that you would sit in had you gone there had like stained glass type things with each character on them like the arcade games were like had those characters in them like they put a lot of work into making it look look good good. yeah um which is great uh that being said the movie itself is fine like again if you love this i'm sure it's a lot of fun i bet if you see this in middle school and you're not you know you're kind of new to horror this could be a lot of fun if you're going into this looking for a movie, A, you're going in for the wrong thing. This is made to entertain kids 20 and under. So there's yeah. that. But also, like, is it the greatest? That being said, like, is this the greatest teen horror movie ever made? No. It's not even really scary. I don't even think there's any actual, like, real jump scares there's a few like kind of attempts at jump scares that just maybe if you're 13 it'll make you jump but most of it's just yeah but i think it's still a fun watch it would be fun to go to with your friends clearly the people in our theater had fun so yeah yeah i I think with these types of movies you'll always see the rotten tomato score is awful because 50 year old critics go watch the movie and go oh this wasn't for me this isn't any good it's not for you it's, it's for a 14 for year old yeah. to have fun did it succeed in that yes so in that regard it is a good movie that being said if you are not the target audience 
this is not the type of movie that's a wide audience appeal or trying to bring a lot of new people to the franchise. It is for the fans. Yep, for sure. Should we move into spoilers? I think so. All right, moving into spoilers. So this follows Mike, who has struggled to stay at a job. He's in the beginning, we see him tackle a man in a mall while he's being a security guard because he thinks that he's kidnapping a boy. Um, which comes in a lot later because we find out that his brother was kidnapped back in the 80s um, and they never found him or anything. And he blames himself because his mom, they're camping and his mom goes, hey, watch your brother for a minute. And he, someone like throws a Frisbee near him and he goes to grab it for them. And when he turns around, his brother's gone. Yeah. And so like, that sucks. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, and at Freddy Fazbear's, there was four kids four or five kids who disappeared back in the 80s as well um and they never found them either um and so yeah he gets hired there by matthew lillard's character who's acting weird and suspicious um which ends up making the big reveal pretty predictable because they're not going to put matthew lillard in as a background character but they also show it in the trailer that he ends up being the villain um but yeah so he Gets hired there. Um, this woman police officer who is Beck from You, who I love, she <laughs> ends up showing up a bunch and kind of warning him about some things, but not warning him enough. She's kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of, she's kind of a garbage character because she knows everything and then doesn't tell them. So I don't really like her. But anyways, um, and then he ends up having to take his sister there and the animatronics befriend his sister and then you find out later that they're possessed by the five kids who disappeared because the owner of the place was kidnapping them and hiding their bodies inside the animatronics um it's weird to me because the ghosts had already been talking to the sister before she had ever gone to freddy fazbear's which is odd and then they start haunting the main guy's dreams and whatever that whole storyline was fine um anyways then they try and kill his sister because they want to have another person to play with and they have one animatronic that isn't filled yet and then matthew lillard puts on a bunny outfit and there's a final battle and yeah but the two things that they never really close on is the fact that their aunt i'm pretty sure got murdered in their house and they just don't talk about that ever again Mm -hmm. and then the other thing is that um Vanessa, the police lady, gets stabbed and then goes into a coma and then just never wakes up. (laughs) Yeah, I think they're hoping for some franchise stuff here, clearly. I mean, it's a successful video game with multiple sequels. There's clearly more to explore that's already half-written for you, which is always nice. And there's a dedicated fan base. They're just testing the waters to see how this movie does. Um, oh, and Vanessa's dad is the bad guy. I forgot yeah. to mention that in the spoiler review. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I don't know. It just, every twist slash turn didn't twist or turn. It was the most obvious outcome. Yeah. Um, it's a also, very straightforward movie. <laughs> yeah, and I think, again, I'm sure there is lore that Freddy's fans could fill me in on, but it feels 
weird the kids are the animatronics but the kids are also doing the murder and it's like half explained as like oh they're under his control but also sometimes they're not and are they trying to kill the sister because he wants them to or are they like it's just a little kind of hand wavy gray area of how this possession slash them being in the animatronics because they're actually like physically in them how that works and what the rules of this world are again sure the games explain it i'm sure there's plenty of information if i wanted to find out i could but this movie doesn't fully explain that um which again is fine because it's for people who probably already know where this is all going um and then yeah the kind of final climax is pretty uneventful in that it doesn't take a lot to stop matthew lillard and i don't like there's not a lot of moments where the characters were in real peril they get out of any jam they're in pretty quick also why do the ghost children go by the animatronics names and not their own names because they've forgotten them because it's been so long yeah I don't know. I don't it's know. a little bit silly <laughs> um yeah yeah and just very straightforward it's you know everything that they go through they get out of easily and on the first try pretty much um yeah it's not not the best not the worst it's a fine movie <laughs> uh, um something else that again never played the games but like i thought calling it five night at five nights at freddy's and freddy fazbear being the name on the restaurant and stuff i thought that would be more important or like freddy's animatronic would be more involved i disagree with this opinion i think freddy was the most involved animatronic his kid was the most involved but i it took me a few times of seeing them to remember like oh that's the kid in the freddy animatronic i didn't link that immediately i did i didn't um and then also just like anytime an animatronic is doing something super spooky it's either the the wolf or the like chicken guy Um, yeah and so that that's like there was no sinister moment where i saw freddy and was like oh that's the main bat the other animatronics felt scarier and more threatening the thing that bugged me is that the game is that you're the security guard and you sit and watch the videos and stuff and make sure they're not moving through the videos and he just slept through his whole shift so you never actually watch them move in the video at all yeah like maybe once and that's it so that's what kind of bummed me out is that it's not i don't know i feel like it wasn't that close in that way but it followed the lore so i guess it was great yeah but yeah i don't know that's all kind of my only like my one expectation from this especially seeing the trailers where it looked they looked really cool was for freddy to be a like iconic character i think he was i really disagree with that opinion he was the main one he was the one who went to their house he was the most involved he was the only kid in the dream that talked and he was the main one he who like chased them and stuff i the wolf and chica do far more chasing and killing i mean in the dream when he's like oh. chasing after them it's usually the blonde kid yeah who he's talking to yes so and again also, the yeah. kid gets all the play the animatronic freddy 
gets zapped and shows up at the house out of nowhere with a broken face that's unexplained. And that's like all he does in the whole movie as the animatronic. Yeah, I guess that's, that's a little So that's fair. my only thing is yeah. I thought this could be like an iconic... I know it's already an iconic character, but like an iconic movie appearance for this character. And I would say the wolf or Chica were far more memorable as the animatronics. Yeah, I guess. But that's all. So what would you rate it? Um, I'd give it a six. Yeah, I think for what it is, a seven even. Yeah. Um, personal like, enjoyment, like a two or a three. Yeah, it's not made for us, but the quality <laughs> of the movie is good. I think it'd be great for younger audiences. Not like young, young audiences, but like pre-teens to teen audience. Yeah. They would probably rate it better. But yeah, I'd give it around a six. Sounds seven, maybe. good. Welcome to Freddy Fazbear's, where fantasy and fun come to life. Okay. All right. My pick this week was Anatomy of a Fall out of uh, France. It's directed by Justine Trier and stars Sandra Euler, Euler, uh, Swan Arlo, Milo Machado Grainer, and Antoine Reinhardt. Um, it premiered at the Cannes Film Festival this year and it won Palme d'Or, which is the top award that they give out. Um, and also played at many other festivals, getting a lot of buzz and awards. Um, and. It is essentially the story of a woman um, whose husband has passed. He has either fallen or been murdered. And there's an investigation to decide what has happened. And as the investigation goes forward, it uncovers more and more about their relationship and their dynamic and the whole trial kind of is a linchpin on who they are as people and it just uses as a great chance to do some character deconstruction and really look at them and meanwhile they have a son who is mostly blind um and he also gets a fair amount of play in this um and his kind of dynamic of finding all these things out about his parents and what it's like, you know, viewing a parent's relationship as a kid. You don't see necessarily all of the stuff that goes on. He's explaining it really nicely. I thought it was a very straightforward courtroom drama with not really any twists. It was just fine. <laughs> I disagree. I thought it was fascinating. I was riveted the whole time, pretty much. Um, it's half in French, half in English. Um, and I just, I thought it portrayed relationships very realistically and very, like a very kind of nuanced approach to it. It's not such a black and white and it's not, yes, it's about what happened, but they do a good job of like making it that it's not about what happened at the trial. It's about convincing the jury your side is correct. I liked two things about this movie. One, I always say if you're going to put a kid in a movie, either make them really cute or really talented. And the kid, I would say, was very cute and very talented. He was incredible. But the other thing I liked is they do have an argument that is shown during part of the movie that I think really encapsulates, like what happens behind closed doors in a relationship and 
in this situation, it does look very incriminating, but in real life, like, in a regular time, that's, like, just an argument that plenty of people have had before and will have again, because if you put everything in a relationship under a microscope, all of it could be incriminating, you know what I mean? It's just very... That was very interesting. Besides that, I found the movie very slow and boring. (laughs) Yeah. Um... Yeah, I don't I don't really know what else there is really to say without spoiling the trial and everything that happens. Um I think the all the performances are good. The boy is a particular standout. He was phenomenal. Um he unfortunately there's not a lot about him on the internet and so in a very quick short search i could not find if he was actually blind or if he had like contacts in or whatnot he had contacts in. i could see the ring around it okay um so yeah he had contacts in apparently but plays a mostly blind child very very well um and is a very talented child actor um and then also the cinematography i can't decide if i liked it or not it's weird there are a lot of moments of very like steady cam shots, very controlled, very intentional movements. There's one in particular moment where the camera keeps swinging back 180 around the kid during the trial, and it's very like intentional, calculated, planned camera movements. And then the other half of the time, and not just during like the trial stuff, it's like the office style, like documentary oh i've got a quick whip over here and zoom in punch zoom in on this and oh let me just quickly pull out and like a very just organic type of camera which was an interesting dichotomy and i don't know how i feel about them being just combined what almost felt willy-nilly i'm obviously there was intention behind it but it wasn't immediately apparent that certain characters got treated a certain way by the camera or scenarios or whatever. Um, So yeah, that was kind of an interesting thing about this movie. But shall we head into spoilers? We shall. All right. So spoilers for Anatomy of a Fall. Um, Basically, the movie opens and the wife is about to be interviewed about her books um, that she's written by a young student and the husband is upstairs and decides to play music obnoxiously loud on repeat on repeat just looping the same song same like portion of a song even on repeat super loud so they can't even talk um, and so they end up rescheduling the interview uh, their son goes out for a walk uh, and then the mom goes to work and go to sleep and supposedly. supposedly you don't actually know yeah um and then the son comes back and finds his dad uh on the ground outside of their three-story home dead having been killed or fallen or pushed or who knows what and you never know and you never know and so then they call the police and they come and they get him and the injury is not quite consistent with how he's landed and so they can't rule out foul play she the wife was the only person home so she's the clear suspect because trying to prove some other person snuck into your home at this exact moment it's very hard to do so they go with this the defense of he must have fallen or he must have killed himself or he jumped because that's then the other thing that kind of comes out throughout the trial is that this relationship 
has been strained and tense for years now. Their son, four years ago, had an accident. No, when he was four. Oh, when he was four. Sorry, yes. Um, when the son was four, he's now 12? 11. 11. Um, he had an accident. Uh, his father was supposed to pick him up from school, but he ended up having someone else walk him home or something for him. And he got hit by a motorcycle and it severed his optic nerve. Um, hence the blindness. And so there's that strange situation where the mom somewhat blames the dad, but also is trying not to and the dad blames himself because he should have made the time to go pick him up but then now years down the road and he you know wants to spend time with his son but then never has time to do his work because he's spending all his time homeschooling but he wanted to do that and the wife isn't really helping she's just basically saying well then like i'm not gonna homeschool him so you make the time because that was your choice yeah and so that comes out in this big like raging argument that the dad had secretly recorded and then they found it so it's in the courtroom and they play it for everyone and like at the beginning he's yelling at her and she's staying very calm and he's just like you know i'm stuck in this house i'm constantly renovating i have to homeschool our son like i never have time to do my writing and you never help with anything and all of this stuff and like you're forcing me to be here and all this and she's like we moved here because this is your hometown and you demand we move moved here you homeschool our son because you wanted to spend more time with him like she's very calm and she's like explaining it and it's like you can see it from both sides because yeah maybe you did originally want to do that and now you're stuck doing it and as much as you love spending time with your son you need help and maybe she isn't helping and like She's, you know, blaming him because she never wanted to live there and he blames her because they speak English at home because she doesn't really speak that much French, but they live in France. And but the- she's German, so yeah. English is kind of the middle ground language yeah. for them and that's her argument. Um, and so it's like you can see it from both sides, but you can also see how it's very incriminating because like... It she, ends yeah. with her throwing a glass against a wall and slapping him and then him slapping himself, but there's expert testimony that maybe she's hitting him the whole time and then other people you know the prosecutor brings that person in and the defense is like proving that the guy's just it's all speculation and yeah yeah. and that's the thing about like this movie is that in a murder case or in any court case you have to prove without like reasonable doubt you know whatever that she for sure did it but all of it is speculation. Like, could the blood have landed where it did if he was pushed? Yes. Could it have if he fell? Yes. Like, could it have if he jumped? Yes. You know, is it possible that you could hear them talking from while the music's playing this loud? Is it possible that you could sleep through that? Is it, you know, yeah. all and of it like, is just speculation. A lot of the, everything happened at a time when no one else was out the, at the house and the son is blind, so he couldn't have seen anything to indicate stuff it's all his auditory memory um and he's a child and the case was a year ago yeah to try like gets to trial ends discovery all of this stuff a year after the event and now they're asking hey do you remember exactly where you stood and what words were said and so all of this stuff becomes gray areas and complicated and i think this did a really good job of showing that side of a courtroom drama it's not about 
the zinger from the prosecution or the defendant that's a gotcha moment. It's not about, oh, we finally found the murder weapon or, oh, if we can find the murder weapon, we can prove this or there's a piece of evidence that's clearly the answer. It's about showing probable cause and linking events and trying to sway a jury in your favor. And up until pretty much the end of the trial, it is it does seem like everyone's leaning towards she killed him. And then even her own lawyer yeah. seems to kind of think she may have done it. Yeah. And so it's it's pretty suspicioso. But throughout the trial, they talk about how, you know, he was on antidepressants and stuff. And he was really struggling with the guilt and struggling being weighed down. And so, like, the the argument from her lawyer is that, like, well, the argument from his lawyer, based, well, not his lawyer, but the defense for prosecution. prosecution. I don't know the Who? difference. The guy in The red? bald guy. Yeah. The prosecution. prosecution. <laughs> yeah. The, the prosecutor is basically like, does this argument sound like someone who would kill themselves the next day? You know, this is someone who's clearly fighting for boundaries, clearly fighting for their life, all this stuff. And then the defendant, you know, the lawyer, he's like, no, this is the one final push. He got off his antidepressants. He's been struggling. And this was his last effort to make sure that he's going to get what he wants or to blame this on someone else. And when she didn't take that blame, he killed himself. And so, you know, the son's listening to this the whole time. And right at the end of the trial, he's like, I actually want to make another statement. So he comes back. And over that weekend... So quickly before we get there... Um, the wife, part of her defense, also proving his mental state, was that six months prior, she found vomit in the house with pills, like, half chewed up in it. Next to him next while he's to passed him out while drunk. while he's passed out drunk. And so she, at the time, didn't necessarily link it as a direct suicide attempt and never took him to a hospital, never reported it to anyone. He refused to talk about it. There is no record of this event and yet she's saying it and so the obviously the prosecutor's like well why would we take the word of the defendant on this but then on the flip side of the defense like well all we have is her word and she says this happened so yeah we have to treat it like it did so the kid comes and over that weekend he decides to be alone with this woman who's just kind of like the mediator for their house because they can't talk about court while they're at home because they don't want to put pressure on him. So him and her are alone in the house and he ends up giving his dog a bunch of pills to see kind of how he would act. And then he goes into court and talks about how that six months ago, though he didn't know what it was, his dog was acting very weird and smelled like vomit and like something was and odd like about him. Its mouth. Yeah, and he didn't know why. And then when she said that, he realized the dog must have eaten the puke, and that's why he was acting weird. So she couldn't have been lying about that. And then the and dad the, takes him yeah, and the, the dog to the vet. Yeah, the dad takes him and the dog over to the vet because the dog's still acting weird. And on the way to the vet, the dad basically tells him, like, you're going to have to prepare for a time when the dog's not here anymore. And the son in his head's like, well, he's young, he's fine, you know, he's acting better, whatever. And the dad's like, but you still have to prepare because he's not going to be here forever. He could get overwhelmed, he could get tired, you know, his whole life is taking care of other people, and he's not going to be around forever. And so in the son's testimony, he's like, he was talking about himself, he was not talking about the dog, he killed himself. It was not my mom. Like, when I picture my mom doing it, it doesn't make sense 
but now hearing everything I've heard, it makes sense that it was my dad's choice to kill himself, basically. And that gets her acquitted. Yeah. So. And so then she's released. And I think, for me, the movie should have ended after the son's testimony. Yeah, he shouldn't have known whether or not she got acquitted. She then, it's clearly announced that she gets acquitted. Um, and in fact, I thought they weren't going to reveal it because there's a reporter out there reporting and then they cut her audio so you can't hear her and you just see the woman coming out of the court and the reporters flooding her, which would be for either verdict. And so it, I was like, oh, okay, they just want to show her coming down the steps. But then we keep going for like 15 minutes of her going to dinner with her lawyers and, and almost, almost kissing, kissing him, her lawyer. Which there was like a weird somewhat tension between them. They clearly have some kind of past. Uh, and part of the trial also was showing that she has a history of cheating cheating and whatnot. And so maybe that was supposed to, I don't know. I didn't really care for their romantic dynamic. I really liked the lawyer, but I didn't care for their the yeah. romantic side of it. But then we get this weird dinner and then she goes home to her son and they have these kind of this kind of conversation about how they were both nervous for her to come home that night and whatever, which, yeah. Yeah, and then she lays know. down with the dog and goes to sleep. And then the credits roll. So I don't know if it was like the son saying, I was afraid for you to come home tonight was supposed to be kind of an indication that he lied because he had been kind of earlier shown to jumble his memory, trying to say it in a way that protects his mom. So maybe they were trying to imply he made up this story about the dog. But then why did he give the dog the pills and all that? Yep. Like, it just... I thought she was going to lay down next to the dog and tell the dog that she did it or tell the lawyer at dinner or something that she actually did it. But you never know. Yeah. You and don't so the last, know. like, 15 minutes is just pointless to the movie. Yeah. And so I, I do think it should have ended after the son's testimony. But that was the only part of the movie I didn't care for. I, it dragged for me a little bit. I hate that you can't check your phone in a movie theater just because I want to look at the time to see how much is left because I get <laughs> bored. I need to know an end is in sight. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't feel that at all for this one. So, but yeah. So what would you rate it? I'm giving this one a 9 out of 10. I'd give it a 4. That does not surprise me. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, sums up kind of our, our movie taste right there. <laughs> All right, that was our thoughts on Anatomy of a Fall. I just want you to know one thing. I'm not a monster. I need you to be precise. Tell me everything. Yes. <clears throat> All right. Thank you for listening to our episode this week. Make sure you tune in every Monday for a new episode. Also follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Nerd and Normie. And if you're watching on YouTube, like and subscribe. And if you're listening on audio platform, leave us a five-star review. It really helps us out. Thank, thank you. you.